Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 vets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Oh, good girl. Squirrel. Oh, good boy. Would you like to go on? Walkies. Good Saturday morning and happy December, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you just fed up with your pet not listening? Well, that's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now and learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone and give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602 602- Two seven seven five three six nine six zero two two seven seven KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix can call toll free. That number is eight six six five three six eleven hundred. And with me today, she's back. It is Brittany. How are you today? Good. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How was your weekend? It was good. It was, it's been nice so far. How about yours? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. You know, um, well, we'll talk a little bit later about my dog, Boo. I don't know that we'll, we'll talk about it on air, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, Boo's got a little bit of sphincter, uh, incontinence. I, I, I want to whisper about that sphincter incontinence because I don't want to embarrass my dog if my dog happens <laughs> to be listening with my wife, okay? So it's really important that... Oh, there you go. That That's the best thing we can do. That way, that way I don't have to embarrass stuff. My poor baby. We'll figure out that sphincter incontinence. That means it is time for Pet Talk News. Well, the Fed just cracked down on service animals on airplanes, and they banned emotional support animals. The government has decided that when it comes to air travel, the only that only dogs can be service animals, and companions used for emotional support, well, they don't count. The Transportation Department issued a final rule Wednesday that aims to settle years of tension over animals on airlines. For years, the department required airlines to allow animals with passengers who had a doctor's note saying that they needed the animal for emotional support. Airlines believed passengers abused the rule to bring a menagerie of animals on board, including cats, turtles, pot-bellied pigs, and in one case... A peacock, yes, a peacock as an emotional support animal. Uh, The agency said Wednesday that it was rewriting the rules partly because passengers carrying unusual animals on board eroded the public trust in legitimate service animals. It also cited the increasing frequency of people fraudulently representing their pets as service animals 
and a rise in misbehavior by emotional support animals ranging from peeing on the carpet to biting other passengers. The Transportation Department proposed the new rule back in January. The new rule will force passengers with emotional support animals to check them into the cargo hold and pay a pet fee or leave them at home. The agency estimated airlines will gain up to 59.6 million a year in pet fees. The number of animals on planes took off several years ago and a whole cottage industry grew around providing fake papers, fake doctor's notes, and even dog vests for support animals. Under the final rule, which takes effect in 30 days, a service animal is a dog trained to help a person with a physical disability or psychiatric disability. Advocates for veterans and others had pushed for inclusion of psychiatric service dogs. Airlines will be able to require owners to vouch for the dog's health, behavior, and training. Airlines can require people with a service dog to turn in paperwork up to 48 hours before a flight, but they can't bar those travelers from checking in online like other passengers. Airlines can require that service dogs be leashed at all times, and they can bar dogs that show aggressive behavior. There have been incidents of emotional support animals biting passengers, growling or barking at guide dogs for the blind as well. The Transportation Department stood by an earlier decision to prohibit airlines from banning entire dog breeds. Now, that's going to be a big setback for Delta Airlines, which banned pit bull-type dogs in 2018, a move that was criticized by disability advocates. Delta, however, is giving no indication of backing down. In a statement, a Delta woman spokesman said the airline is reviewing the new rule. At this time, there are no changes to Delta's current service and support animal policies. Next, we'll talk about the seven dog training mistakes, common dog training errors, and how to correct them. The number one dog training mistake is making training sessions too long. Multiple short training sessions are better than one long session. This surprises many people, perhaps, because weekly training sessions with a professional trainer are often 45 to 60 minutes long. That standard is designed to be able to teach the owner and dog so that they have work to practice. Number two, delivering treats too slowly. You ask your dog to lie down, and she does, but by the time you give her a treat, she's jumping up towards your face. What do you think she thinks that she earned that treat for? jumping up at you. Similarly, if you call your dog to come and she heads right to you and sits, she may think that sitting in front of you is the behavior you're so pleased about. Sitting is a lovely behavior, but if you're working on a recall, you want to make sure that it's clear to her that coming when called is the behavior that you want. Number three, punishing desirable behaviors. Now, when I say it's a common mistake to punish behavior, uh, I'm not talking about those who are sadly still using harsh physical punishment to train dogs. Um, but even well-intentioned trainers who use positive reinforcement and have no intention of punishing a dog commit this mistake. Anytime the consequence of a behavior is something a dog doesn't like, the behavior is less likely to happen again. Technically, this is called positive punishment, as distinguished from negative punishment or removing something good as a consequence of a behavior. Both types of punishment reduce the frequency of the behavior that they follow. Here's a common scenario. People commonly call their dogs to come. Then they subject them to something they don't like, such as nail trims or baths. Another is patting a dog on the head after she responds to a cue or command. Most dogs don't care to be patted on the head. Besides making the dog less likely to perform the good behavior, 
say, uh, coming when called. In the future, you may actually be poisoning the cure command. That means that you're teaching the dog to associate the cure command come with something unpleasant. This is also common with the cure command drop it, which many dogs have learned to associate with having things taken away from them. Always make sure that the consequence of a behavior you want to keep seeing is something that the dog enjoys. Number four, reinforcing unwanted behavior. It's all too easy to allow a dog's unfortunate behavior to work for them. One example of this is allowing the dog to pull while on leash. The behavior is reinforced because it gets her what she wants, going the direction she desires, going faster or catching up with that cat, or reinforcing barking by giving the dog attention in response to it. Similarly, laughing, petting, or sweet-talking a dog when she jumps up makes that behavior more likely to happen. Don't let the behavior you don't want work for your dog, or she's going to keep doing it. Number five, failing to teach a dog to generalize. Asking for a behavior that's too hard for a dog at a particular moment is a very common training mistake. I hear this all the time from clients. They'll say to me, I don't know why she's doing it. I know that she knows it. The behavior in question is almost always something that many dogs are taught, such as sit or down, stay or come. The thing is, even though many dogs are taught to do these behaviors, they're not always taught to do them in a fully fluent, generalized way. This means that even though a dog responds to a cue or command in a familiar environment, she may not be able to do so in other locations or situations. A dog who can lie down at home may not be able to do so while on a walk or when visitors come over. She may come when called in the backyard, but not at the dog park. This is completely normal and to be expected, but not everybody knows this, so they ask for a behavior in a new context without understanding that dogs have to learn to generalize their skills to new situations and higher levels of distraction. Much of the training is not about teaching a dog to perform a behavior on cue or command, but rather teaching a dog to be able to perform that behavior on cue regardless of where she is or what's going on around her. It's critical to adjust your expectations based Based on the situation and the level of distraction as you work on teaching your dog to generalize what she knows. One of the first things I'll tell dog owners is that their dog's training is worthless if the dog cannot listen and respond to a cue or command when all heck is breaking loose around them. That's when you need your dog to listen, not when things are calm and quiet and it's just you and the dog hanging out 10 o'clock at night. Dogs listen then. Number six, being inconsistent with cues or commands. Training always benefits from clear communication. In training dogs, we face a challenge that's super obvious but often overlooked. Communicating across species. That's hard and the potential for confusion is ever present. Simply being consistent with cues goes a long way towards alleviating problems that come with misunderstandings. If your cue for a recall is come, Use that exact word every time. Don't change it up by saying, come here or come on. Similarly, if you cue or command to stay, if your <laughs> if your cue or command to stay uh, involves holding up your hand with your fingers spread and open palm facing her, it's not fair to expect her to know that's what you mean when you give the cue while holding your car keys. That's confusing to dogs, but people do it all the time, leading to frustration on both the part of the person and the dog. And number seven, bribing instead of reinforcing. Reinforcement's a desirable consequence of a behavior that makes that behavior more likely to happen in the future. It's a fundamental part of dog training. Bribery, on the other hand, is a promise of something good if a behavior is performed. 
Dangling a treat to get a dog to do what you want is bribery and often results in a dog will only do what you ask when she's shown the goods up front. An especially problematic but common error is to ask your dog to do something such as a high five or to sit. And when she doesn't do it, to pull out a treat and give the high five cue or command again. When the dog responds, she gets the treat. This practice results in a dog who will only offer the behavior if she sees the reward. The difference between reinforcement and bribery is huge and only the former will lead to a well-trained dog. These common training mistakes can make training more challenging for both you and your dog, but the good news is that changing just a few details could make a huge difference with you and your dog. We're going to go ahead and uh, take a quick break here. We need to hear from our sponsors, um, but when we come back, we will be going to the phones and taking your questions If you're in Phoenix, give us a call, 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix can call toll-free at 866-536-1100. Give us a call. We want to help you with your dog. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, that's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now and learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602 602- Two seven seven five three six nine six zero two two seven seven KFNX. If you're outside of Phoenix, call toll free at eight six six five three six eleven hundred. We want to hear from you. Give us a call. Speaking of, we actually do have a caller on the line. We have Jamie in Phoenix. Jamie in Phoenix. Hey, Jamie, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you? Hi there. Thank you so much. It's really funny that your ad popped up um, for this because uh, we were just talking about this. I have a 17-year-old toy Pomeranian. She has no teeth. Um, she's really fluffy, cute, very old. I have a teenager cat. He is just the most biggest cuddle bug, bottle-fed. However, he attacks her. He, like, stalks her and attacks her everywhere. And she doesn't bark. She's kind of a mute. 
and she's blind, so she doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like, what's going on? And he's like, play with me. And he just attacks her. And, and I'll squirt him and we'll holler at him and we'll tell him no. And we separate them. We try to, you know, but he just, that's all he wants to do is he wants to play with her like she's a plushie mm-hmm. and that she's not breathing and alive. So mm-hmm. we're so tired because we always have to be in the room. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me a little more. Like, for example, um, you said it's a teen cat. How old? Oh, okay. So, uh, we got him a few months ago. So he, I'm, I'm going to say he's about five months, four months now. Okay. About five months now, I think. Okay. Got it. And you're still bottle feeding? And he's like a medium size. And you're still he's bottle really feeding? really sweet. You say you're still uh-huh, bottle feeding? Yeah, he was bottle fed. Okay. You need, you need to stop doing that. Oh, no, I don't bottle feed him. I'm saying I got him. Okay, okay. I was going to say, you know, that's a long time. And they didn't have a mom, and so he's very human-y. I was hoping you were going to say next, let the cat nurse on me or something like that. I was about to freak out or something like that. that's so weird. Oh, my God, your brain is somewhere really strange. Okay. Well, we're we're in Arizona, not Alabama, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay. It's not Florida. <laughs> Florida. All of my friends in Florida on anyway, Facebook are so, going to be mad. So the cat rescue, you know, he's yeah. very he's very comfortable. He's not afraid of anybody. Okay. Well, apparently not afraid, not afraid of the dog either. Now, as no, far as your, lover. Now, your dog, you said it was blind? Yeah, she's got depth perception issues. Okay, so is it, are you telling me that your stuff. dog just can't see itself playing with the cat? <laughs> no, so that's, the cat's, funny. The cat's vision, blind. Vision problems, what about right? her hearing? Oh, no, her hearing selective. <laughs> it's selective. Okay, she's starting to it's selective, <laughs> or she's starting to lose her hearing. There's a difference. Yeah. What do you think? Is she starting to lose her? Hearing? No, not at all. She's pretty good. Okay, she's pretty good. All right, so there's a couple things that that you can do. So let's talk about this, okay? Um, and let me tell this to you and anybody else. When you've got a problem with your pet, okay? Most people think the problem's going to get resolved a whole lot quicker than what it really takes. And most people think it's going to take a whole lot less repetition than it really takes. I always tell people that um, plan on spending more time, plan on being more consistent, plan on making sure that uh, you've done this for a long enough time that you're not getting the results you're looking for just one day, not just two days, not just a week, maybe not even two weeks. But, you know, you've gone a month or two and the cat has left the dog alone. Well, now you're probably in a halfway decent place. But let's talk about, okay, how do we get there? Okay. Um, the first thing that, that you need to do, okay, is you need to begin to start capturing and rewarding good behavior from your cat, okay? And one of the ways that you're going to be able to do that is you've got to create what's called a marker, okay? It's really important when we're training. You know, when I read that article about the seven mistakes and it talked about the timing of rewarding, you literally have zero to a half a second to reward your pet, whether it's a dog, whether it's a cat, and get that food in their mouth if it's food. And and usually high-value food rewards, most pets are going to work for a lot better than just love, praise, affection, or a toy, unless they're just a toy freak. Um, But food as a reward, it's very difficult to get it in their mouth within zero to a half a second of a behavior so that they can actually connect the dots cognitively. Okay, Now, they may love the food, 
they may think the overall time they're spending with you is a whole lot better because there's food involved. But if your timing is late, they're not going to connect the dots. Okay. So one of the things that, you know, you have to do is create what I said is a marker and you have to precondition something to your cat. Or if it's a dog, the same thing before you can begin training. And that is, I recommend that you get a clicker. You can get a clicker online, on Amazon. You can get it from any of the big box uh, pet stores. Um, but you get a clicker, and the, what you're going to need to do is you're going to get about 30 very, very tiny pieces of high-value food reward. I don't know if your cat likes a little tuna or pounce or whatever, but little bitty tiny ones. You're going to click the clicker and immediately give a food reward. Wait for your cat to finish eating that. You're going to click that clicker again and immediately get another food reward in your cat's mouth. Wait for her to finish it. Click again, immediately give food reward. You're going to do that about 30 times in a row. You're going to do that every day for about three or four days. Then after about three or four days, you're going to test it. You are going to just randomly, when your cat's not paying attention but close to you, you're going to go ahead and click that clicker. And you're going to see, does the cat come running to you for a little piece of tuna or for whatever it is okay. that you gave it? Now, once your cat's doing that, we know your your cat understands that click means treat. Now our timing's fantastic. We can be late with the food because that click is a bridge to the food. It's letting the animal, whether it's a cat or a dog, it's letting them know in that exact moment they hear that click that that's the behavior that's getting the reward. Because we've previously paired that click to food over and over and over. So the food is what we call the primary reinforcer. The click is the secondary reinforcer or what we called a conditioned reinforcer. Okay? So it's really important that we have that, you know, when we start training. Um, We have to go to a break. But I want you to stay on the line, Jamie, because... I want to talk more about this with you because this is a great question. We don't get that many about cats, okay? I'm Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX. We're here each and every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. we got to go to the news. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free, 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. I'm Will Bangura. You are listening to Pet Talk today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well, 
That's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now. Learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free at 866 536 1100. Before we went to the news, we were talking to Jamie in Phoenix. Jamie, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Zach hung up on you. It wasn't me. I, I just want to let you know you that. You weren't going to get rid of me. No, Zach is, Zach's pointing, he says it's not him. Okay, okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to take responsibility for that today. But I'm glad that you called back. I'm glad you called back because this is a great question. Um, so we were talking about how your teen cat is, I call it harassing, bullying, uh, your 17 year old dog. Okay. And yeah. we first started talking about the importance of timing and, it's almost impossible to get a treat in a pet's mouth within zero to a half a second of it engaging in the behavior. So we talked about creating a marker system, using a clicker, pairing that ahead of time over and over and over again with a treat so that your cat or somebody's dog understands after lots of pairing of click, treat, click, treat, click, treat, click, treat, that the click means, hey, I'm getting a treat. Once we have that, our timing is perfect because we can click at the exact moment we get the behavior we want. The light bulb goes off in your dog or cat's mind. Boom, I'm getting a reward. And they know exactly why they're getting it and when they're getting it is paired with the behavior. That's going to make things go a whole lot quicker. Without that, we could be working really, really hard and not getting a whole lot of results. So we want to work smart not just hard. And, and working smart means that we have a marker training system to communicate with our pets. Now, Jamie, yes. one of the first things that you can begin to do once you've got that trained in with your cat, they understand click is treat. Keep a treat pouch on you with high value food rewards. Keep that clicker with you. Every time your cat happens to look at you, I want you to click and give a treat. You're not going to say anything. What we're doing is we're capturing your cat and your cat giving you attention. Okay? We are creating value to that behavior. Anything that we create value to that a pet understands they're going to get a reward and we're consistent with that and the reward's high enough value and our timing's really good, they're going to want to repeat that behavior. Once they figure out there's a pattern, that cat's going to be a looking fool at you, okay? You're going to feel like a supermodel because the cat's going to be like, oh, you're so beautiful. I just want to keep <laughs> looking at you. But you want to go ahead and the first thing you want to do is teach pay attention. Now, once you're getting that behavior, you can tell that your cat gets it because what's going to happen is you're going to have what's called an operant cat or an active learner. Once your cat figures out that, hey, when I look at mom, I'm going to get a click and a treat, and I like that. So I'm going to just keep offering the look, offering the look. Once your cat starts offering that look on its own, now what you're going to begin to do is you're going to label the behavior. We're not asking for it. We're not giving a command. We're not giving a cue. We're creating associations. First thing, we capture the behavior. We click and reward. We're creating value. Then the cat's going to want to offer it once it understands, hey, this behavior has value. Then at that point, we start to label the behavior when your cat offers it. And folks that have dogs, you do the same thing with a dog. So all of a sudden, your cat looks at you. I want you to say, watch me. And then you're going to click and treat. It's real quick. Okay. Cat looks, watch me, click and treat. 
cat looks at you, watch me, click and treat. Okay. You're going to do that for days and days and days. Okay. What we want to do, just like we associated click means treat. Well, right now we're associating look at me with the behavior of looking at me, but we're not asking for it. We're doing a reverse association. We're still associating it so that your cat understands that look at me means to actually look at you. After you've done that for a bunch of times, then you can go ahead and begin to ask for it by giving the commander cue, look at me, okay? Now, if your cat doesn't look at you and you give that commander cue, you need to go back a step. You need to start labeling that behavior a lot and try not to miss many, okay? That's one thing you do. So you can begin to ask for that. And you know what? Because you're clicking and treating, most likely the cat's going to come to you. So look at me. Is going to become not only pay attention to you, but inadvertently, it's going to get your cat to come to you. Your cat cannot be looking at you and coming to you and harassing your dog at the exact same time. Okay. So we're teaching an incompatible behavior that if your cat is committed, if your cat is doing that behavior, it can no longer harass, you know, your, your dog. Now. Right. Let's take that training coin and let's flip it on the other side. Hey, just like we reward the behaviors we want, we need to correct the behaviors that we don't want. And I'm going to tell you that your corrections are merely mild interruptions. Your cat really doesn't care about it. Okay. You said spraying the cat and then it just keeps on doing it over and over. Well, if your timing was good and you sprayed your cat, you know, consistently every time it was trying to fight with your dog, it's going to stop if your cat finds that water being sprayed on it unpleasant enough. So when an animal keeps doing a behavior over and over and over and you keep correcting, there's a couple issues that could be causing the problem. One, your timing might be way off, and so they don't understand that it's not connected to the behavior. Timing's critical. The other thing, just like I said, not being consistent with it, okay, and you have to be with them, otherwise he'll like. Right, he'll and like so if they're in, like, yeah, if he's if the cat's doing this when you're not around, you need to get a cat carrier, or you need to put the cat in another room. So this behavior doesn't keep on getting rehearsed, okay, from your cat without there being a consequence. Because that's the other reason, folks, whether you have a cat, whether you have a dog, if you want to stop unwanted behaviors, you better be there to correct it in the spot. And if you can't. You better confine the dog or cat. You better put the dog or cat in a carrier or a crate or another room because as that behavior keeps on being rehearsed, that's going to be reinforced all by itself, okay? Now, I talked about interruptions versus corrections. Corrections are unpleasant. So if your cat doesn't think that that water is unpleasant enough, let me give you an idea, and it's called a throw can. What you're going to do is you're going to take a empty beer can, empty soda can, and you're going to put about five pennies in there. Does anybody have pennies anymore? Gosh, I don't even carry cash with I me. Don't. You can put a couple little pebbles in there if you need to, Jamie, okay? Um, and then tape the top of the hole on that can, that, that soda can or that, that beer can. Actually, have a few of these and put them all around where you hang out, okay, so that as soon as you happen to see, you know, your cat and, and do this proactively before your cat actually, you know, starts 
messing with your dog as you you can tell you know you know this you know the look you know, you know the behavior as soon as your cat purrs really loud right and so at that he point he purrs really loud right before he does it right and so that's going to be your command that's going to be your cue yeah. okay to go ahead and say watch me and hopefully okay. hopefully okay the cat's going to come to you and as the cat comes you can click and treat okay but if it doesn't happen you're going to take one of those throw cans and you're going to toss that behind the cat. Don't hit the cat with the throw can. I always have to say that, you know, on air because somebody will send me an email. What are you doing throwing cans at cats? No, no, no. Drop the can behind the cat. It's going to make a startling sound, okay? And that's going to be something unpleasant, all right? Um, try that. Try that as a correction. And like I said, work on... Um, teaching your cat to watch you. And you can do that for all kinds of behaviors. You know, this clicker training and this thing that we ask you to do, this process, that'll work for any behaviors. You know, I had a dog that used to smile on its own. I would click and treat every time the dog would smile. And before long, after labeling that behavior, then I was able to then say, smile. And then my dog would smile on Commander Q. So this whole idea of capturing a behavior, marking it with the clicker, rewarding it, and then after you've got that going well, labeling the behavior, okay, then clicking and rewarding, and then down the road being able to ask for it. That works really, really well. So, Jamie, hopefully that helps you. You think you can try that? Yeah, I'm going to totally try it, and I'll uh, call back another time when you guys are on again, and I'll let you know how Yeah, it's going. absolutely. Let us know how things are going. We love that when you follow up with He's us. He's a really smart cat, and I think it'll work. Well, Let's give it a shot, okay? Okay. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Jamie. I'm Will Bangura, and you are listening to Pet Talk Today on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. If you've got a question about your pet's behavior, maybe you've got a dog or a cat that's completely out of control, give us a call. If you're in Phoenix, that number is 602-277-5369. We've got to go to break. We'll be right back. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Sharing funny tales about your four-legged fur babies. Answering questions, some even ridiculous. And taking your calls, it's Pet Talk Today with your host, Will Bangura. To have your questions answered or to comment on today's show, call the KFNX listener line at 602-277-5369. 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix call toll-free 866-536-1100. Now, back to Pet Talk Today with your host and everyone's favorite pet behavior expert, Will Mangura. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. You're listening to Pet Talk Today on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Well... That's what we do here on Pet Talk today. I'm here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior problems. Call me right now. Learn how to correct those unwanted behaviors. Pick up your phone. Give me a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 
602-277-5369, 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call toll-free at 866-536-1100. We have a few email questions. This Ooh, question, like email questions. <laughs> this question is from Clarissa in Avondale, and I really like this question because I get asked it quite frequently. So her question is, my pit puppy. I thought you were going to say, what, you know, can I get your phone number? Oh, yeah. No, that's just when the guy's calling, right? Not as often with this oh, quarantine. Oh, you're blushing. Oh, no. Okay. So her question is, my pit puppy likes to jump on everybody, including mm. the kids. Mm-hmm. He also likes to jump on the table. Yeah. How do I train him to stop? Well, you can have a garage sale, get rid of the table easily there, yep. rehome the kids, and, and, and we don't have a problem, right? No, this is a huge problem. Like you said, we get called about this all the time, jumping up on people's, you know, one of the biggest complaints that we get, that barking. Well, mm-hmm. of course, we're, oh, yeah. we're known for aggression, so we're going to get calls all day long about aggression, fears, and phobias. But um, jumping up. Let me tell you how jumping starts. It starts when they're a little baby puppy, and they jump up on your leg, and we think it's really cute, and we go, and we go, oh! And we pick up the puppy, we pet the puppy, we pat the puppy on the head. We do all this stuff where we're positively reinforcing the jumping behavior right from the beginning. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Okay. We talked in that last call about teaching a behavior that's incompatible with the behavior you don't want. Your dog cannot be successfully and reliably committed to a sit command and jumping at the exact same time. So we're going to start the process exactly the same as we did with Jamie and her cat. Every dog will offer a sit many, many times throughout the day. You know, gosh, if you were to sit there and count it, you'd be amazed. What I want you to begin to do, Clarissa, is to capture your dog whenever it sits. You're going to click and reward. Now, That assumes that you have created the marker. You've conditioned the clicker that click equals treat. you got to do that. You've got to do that before you can ever train. Or good luck if you don't having good timing, okay? And again, you'll be working really hard but not smart, and you're not going to get the kind of results that you could get if you first created that marker training system. Um, if you're just joining us and you don't know what a marker training system is, go ahead, get online. Everybody can Google everything today. Uh, look up marker training, marker training system. Um, you can go to Learberg Kennels. They got a great article. My friend Ed Frowley in Wisconsin who owns Learberg Kennels. God, he's got more articles than any other website, uh, I believe on the internet. He started in 1996 wow. on the internet. I mean, Literally, it was almost like ARPNET. You know, if Ed, you're listening, you know, I don't mean to, you know, be telling everybody how old you are or anything <laughs> like that. But Learberg.com, L-E-E-R-B-U-R-G.com. Again, Learberg.com, L-E-E-R-B-U-G.com. Um, or B-U-R-G, sorry. Now, once we've got that marker system created, we're going to start to capture sits. And every time your dog sits, we're going to click and reward. Again, if your timing's good, if the treats are high enough value, if you've been consistent, you're capturing all these sits and clicking and treating, your dog's going to understand, hey, I know what pays out, all right? And your dog's going to start being a sitting fool, going to start offering sit all the time, okay? Because it's as if 
you are a slot machine, okay? And and mm-hmm. and and your dog is pulling that handle when it sits, saying, "Hey, pay me, pay me, pay me, pay me." Now, when your dog begins to do that, that's when you can start doing step two. And that is label the behavior right before you click and treat. So the dog offers the sit, you go sit, click treat. Again, dog offers the sit, you go sit, click treat. Pair them all together. Do that a lot. Again, do that a lot. You want to condition that. Then after a while, you can ask for the behavior. You can say sit and your dog's going to do it. You're still going to click and treat. Always click and treat. And every time you click, make sure that you are giving a treat. You've got to pay out. Got to pay out. It's a promise to pay. Now, once you've got that sit behavior, then you know the situations where your dog likes to jump. You know it because you sent me the question. Okay, Mm -hmm. It's a problem for you. All right. Be prepared. Have a treat pouch. Have the high value treats. Have your clicker. When... Don't wait for the dog to jump. Catch it before the dog starts to launch into it and ask for sit, all right, and then click and reward. Again, your dog cannot be sitting and jumping at the same time, okay? Now, do your due diligence in teaching that. Teach an alternative behavior rather than just go straight into correcting your dog, okay? But once you've taught that behavior, it's important that you begin to what? generalize it. We talked about this in the beginning of the show. Okay, We talked about how dogs, it's amazing that the way they learn is so much in context. So, you know, if we only train at home when it's calm and quiet, the dog's not going to respond to a simple command like sit when there's a lot of activity going on in the home or we get off property and there's a lot of activity. So you've got to begin to work on distractions. You start with littler distractions and little by little, you work yourself up to higher distractions. Now, if your dog cannot win 80% of the time, okay, and only lose 20% of the time when you're working on distractions, the, distra- the distractions are, are, are too high. Your dog's got to win 80% of the time. So eight out of 10 commands with the distraction, your dog's doing it. If it can't, you're in too heavy of a distraction. You need to back up and consistently get your dog to be able to do this behavior, in this case, the sit, successfully eight out of 10 times with the distraction. Now, when your dog starts doing 10 out of 10 consistently, or nine out of 10, or, or the eight out of 10 gets very, 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 very consistent, okay? Start adding more distractions. And your goal each step of the way that you go forward in a distraction is to make sure that you're getting an 80% success rate, okay? If you're always succeeding, well, it's not challenging enough. You haven't distracted enough. Again, I want your dog to lose 20% of the time. If your dog's not losing 20% of the time, you are not doing your due diligence to go ahead and teach your dog that it has to respond no matter where you are, no matter what's going on. You've got to do that. So that's that's one of the things that you have to do. Now, Let's talk about correcting the dog because, yeah, I suppose the dog could blow you off. Quite frankly, if you're not lazy and you put enough time into it, most of the time if you've got a high enough value food reward and, you know, you've put in the time, you've been very, very consistent with it, um, this will work. But you may need to correct the dog too. The easiest way to do that is put a leash on your dog 
put a leash on the dog. Yep, in the house. You got it. Until you can stop the behavior and consistently able to stop the behavior, okay, it's really important that you've got a leash on the dog. You've got to be able to manage and control the problem. So what you can be doing is you can hold that leash and when the dog goes to jump, you know, just go ahead and step on it. And the dog can attempt to jump, but it's not going anywhere and it's getting some pressure on the collar. Well, that's a little bit unpleasant. And, and that in and of itself is a correction, but the dog is correcting itself. You don't have to do much other than just kind of step on that leash. And then as the dog gets frustrated, how about asking for that sit we were talking about? Mm-hmm. Give the dog something else to do than be frustrated because it can't jump where it can then get a click and can get a reward. Okay. The other thing is we talked about those throw cans. Well, if you're behind the dog and the dog goes to jump on somebody and you weren't prepared, well, then it's important that you go ahead and maybe use that throw can to try to startle the dog. Now, if the dog thinks that's just a fantastic thing when you toss that, well, it's not a correction. It's just an interruption. So hopefully, hopefully you can try that. Hopefully um, that will help you. I appreciate everybody that called in today. Jamie, thanks for the call. I appreciate the emails. Brittany, thank you for being here. It's always a pleasure. Um, we're just about out of time today. Um, I want to uh, remind everybody we're here each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. So be sure to join us next Saturday. We'll be taking more of your dog and cat behavior problems. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Wear your masks. We're out of here. <laughs>